G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby, welcome along to you. Thank you very much, Neil. It's wonderful to be with you again. And also the Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford, the New South Wales State Secretary for the Christian Democratic Party. Hello, Ross. How are you, Neil? I'm actually the state president. Not that it matters that much, but uh, state president, not secretary. <laughs> okay. I'll have to adjust my notes here. But uh, just while we pick up on that just for a moment, uh, Ross, uh, uh, state president uh, for the Christian Democratic Party and people aligned the Christian Democratic Party with uh, the party that's led by Fred Nile. Uh, how does the party stand at the present time? Are you just uh, focusing on New South Wales or is there a national focus for the Christian Democratic Party? Uh, national focus, Neil. We're uh, very much going national and we're running in every state and we'll have senators running in every state. So uh, Christian Democratic Party has really decided to pick up the baton and go national in a big way. Okay, and Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby, uh, in many ways at the forefront or the cutting edge of what people are seeing as Christian responses to so many things that are going on. Uh, if I ask you, uh, first of all, Lyle Shelton, our conversation today, very much a uh, a way forward type of conversation, and uh, we have these uh, fairly regularly, and particularly when we have elections that are upon us, uh, when we talk about elections, the double dissolution election that is, if not officially, is being planned uh, for the 2nd of July. Uh, what are your thoughts on the fact that there has been all of this uh, political upheaval and uh, setting dates and those sorts of things for elections? Uh, is a double dissolution election for Australia a good thing? Well, it's certainly um, quite an extraordinary thing, uh, Neil. This, I think the last time we had a double dissolution election was back in about 1986, uh, oh, 87, I believe. That was the very first election that I voted in. And I believe that was uh, when John Howard was opposition leader. And uh, that was during the Joe for PM uh, era. Uh, so uh, there was a double dissolution. Then I can't remember what the trigger was. Ross might uh, have a better memory than me. But that, they're a very rare thing in Australian politics, I suppose, is the point that I'm making. And for Malcolm Turnbull to have uh, t- made this move, it's a very calculated political strategy. He is uh, frustrated with the uh, crossbenchers in the Senate. Uh, he can't get legislation through, and so he has decided to uh, amend the voting rules, and I'm sure Ross will have some perspectives on that, uh, to amend the voting rules uh, so it, it makes it less likely for uh, independent senators to get elected on, on a very small primary vote. Uh, and then he's um, loaded up this double disillusion trigger uh, of the Australian Building and Construction Commission uh, legislation to be a watchdog over the uh, the building industry, which is which admittedly has got some some big problems, as the Royal Commission has shown, and of course that legislation was rejected uh, just uh, this week, and so straight away Mr Turnbull very dramatically came out and said, okay, we're going to have a double disillusion election on this uh, rejection of this anti-corruption uh, uh, legislation. Uh, he's got his voting reforms through, uh, so it'll be under very new new rules. So this is a, a very extraordinary time in Australian politics, a unique time, and probably 
something that's lost on the majority of Australians who are just going about their normal day-to-day business. Well, Ross Clifford, your thoughts, and uh, Lyle Shelton certainly just uh, uh, requested uh, some extra information that might come from you, uh, feelings about uh, cross-bench senators, the difficulty of becoming elected with the changes to those voting rules. Uh, What are your thoughts about uh, the possibilities for the Christian Democratic Party? I think it increases the possibilities for the Christian Democratic Party, Neil, actually. Uh, For the micro-parties, there's a difference between micro-parties and minor parties. Micro-parties, I think, will be wiped out by the changes, but the minor parties won't be. And, Neil, it's very complex, because I think most people don't even understand what's happening here, even uh, what a double dissolution means. But for for the election, for the Senate election, you will have to number one to six above the line. Uh, there's some debate within just number one. The Electoral Commission is still looking at that, but you more than likely will have to number one to six above the line. And therefore, for minor parties like the Christian Democratic Party, it's most likely that the majority of people are going to give us a number between one to six. So, uh, I mean, as Anthony Green from the ABC, the uh, probably the best analyst around, has indicated that this does mean that numbers of minor parties will be returned. I mean, Nick Xenophon might even come into Canberra with three members of parliament, not one. Um, Jackie Lambie will no doubt get back. Len Lazarus might get back in Queensland. And CDP is really a very strong chance, at least in New South Wales. So I think uh, Malcolm Turnbull's still in trouble. In fact, uh, after the double dissolution, if he's returned to government, uh, Neil... There's a chances are that when he has this joint sitting to pass the bills, he mightn't have the numbers to get the bills through. It's very interesting. And uh, Lyle Shelton, further perspectives from you on that? Yeah, I I agree with what uh, Ross is saying. Um, I've been perplexed at uh, what the Prime Minister is playing at here. It's it's been a very bold move on on both counts to to try and reform the Senate voting, but then to, to pull a double disillusion trigger. And, uh, and, and Ross alluded to the fact that most people don't probably know what a double dissolution is, and, and we probably haven't explained it. it it's when uh, the entire Senate uh, is up for election. In a normal election, it's only a half-Senate election. Uh, so this time, uh, all the Senators uh, are up for re-election, even those whose terms uh, were still to um, serve out their full six years. Uh, and uh, I, I think Ross is, is, is dead right in his analysis that... Um, this is not going to solve Malcolm Turnbull's problems uh, with uh, not controlling the Senate. Uh, he might get rid of some of these uh, in, uh, pesky independent senators that have caused him trouble. Um, perhaps people like D.O. Wang, um, Bob Day from Family First might be uh, in trouble, although, as Ross said, uh, perhaps minor parties might have a better chance. Um, but uh, I, I think the Greens' representation is likely to increase. Now, now they, they're not um, friendly with the government, rarely vote with the government. So I don't think this is going to solve his problems uh, at all, and we could still end up with gridlock uh, after the election. And uh, that would be you know, quite an interesting scenario, quite a traumatic scenario for our national politics if that was to occur. I guess if you're looking a little objectively at that crossbench as it stands at the moment, you've got Bob Day, who is uh, the family first senator, and a Christian voice on the crossbench. And uh, there is a sense, isn't there, that uh, that if you uh, have this double dissolution election, uh, the crossbench changes. Uh, the possibility of losing a Christian voice is actually quite significant. But then, as uh, you've been indicating, if everything backfires and there's a real move towards votes for these minor parties, Christian parties, uh, conservative parties, then there may actually be opportunity for many 
more Christians on a crossbench. Uh, your thoughts on, on that p- uh, possibility, Ross Clifford? Yes, look, it is true, Neil, but I don't think the micro parties, the really small parties, are going to have a show at all. I think it's only the minor parties, the well-established parties, like uh, the Christian Democratic Party, uh, Family First, uh, perhaps in South Australia, as uh, Lyle has said, the Greens, they're the ones who are going to benefit. And when you think about it, uh, you think of New South Wales or elsewhere, Neil, if you've got to vote one to six above the line for the Senate, and uh, no matter who you are, you vote Liberal or you vote uh, Labor or you vote Christian Democratic Party, try to imagine six parties you would vote for and not include someone like the Christian Democratic Party or Family First. Try and imagine who you're going to put in and not include them. So I think the minor parties, the strong minor parties, are going to find themselves turning up in preferences all over the place. Uh, Lyle Shelton, as many as three million voters are uh, ones who've been uh, shown to uh, to vote for uh, minor parties or micro parties, uh, the lesser known parties. Uh, how significant is it that there are that many voters in Australia who don't always put their one in the box of the major parties? Yeah, I, I haven't actually drilled down to where uh, that, that, that's a figure that Bob Day has been quoting and Ross might know the answer to that. Uh, as uh, your listeners might be aware, Neil, uh, Bob Day, the Family First Senator, has actually challenged the uh, government's Senate reforms in the High Court. And the High Court has actually said uh, it's willing to hear the case, which is incredibly significant. And I think that would uh, be quite um, quite a frightening thing for, for Mr Turnbull. And uh, this is to be heard, I think, around about the 3rd or, or 4th of May, mm. um, just before um, the, the final cut-off for uh, Mr Turnbull to call the double dissolution election, which is May 11. So th- this, is, this is high drama in Australian politics at the moment. So Bob Day's argument has been that 3 million Australians uh, will be disenfranchised as a result of the Senate voting reforms. Now, presumably he's speaking about people like, like me, uh, and I'm probably a bit of an anomaly, uh, Neil, because when I go to vote in the Senate, I, um, I number every box. Uh, and I even did that when I was living in Queensland when we had 60 candidates uh, for the Senate on one ballot paper and, and uh, I'd start um, <laughs> with the party I, I least liked at number 63 or whatever and work my way back uh, looking at uh, candidates and parties whose values were Christian. Now I'm the sort of voter that's disenfranchised by what, uh, uh, what Malcolm Turnbull has done and what Bob Day is arguing is those people should have a say but the flip side of that is that um, people who have voted for the Labor Party uh, in the Senate and vote above the line, but then have their preferences distributed as a result of the preference deals uh, that are done. And there's nothing wrong with that. They're all transparent if anyone wants to see. It's just that most people don't have a clue uh, where their preferences are going. So the argument has been that uh, someone who votes Labor uh, ends up uh, helping someone from Family First get elected. And, and this has happened uh, because of the bizarre preference flows that, that can occur. So this has been the argument for voting reform. And... Um, and uh, this is what the controversy is all about. And uh, Bob Day is challenging that in the High Court. So watch this space in early May. Uh, if we get an overall uh, impression then, if we talk about uh, these changing voting laws and uh, a double dissolution election, if we said, uh, what is a Christian 
response to whether this is a good thing or a bad thing and uh, weighing up all of these different uh, these different outcomes that could potentially happen. Uh, Ross Clifford, is it a good thing uh, to have these voting law reforms uh, or is it a bad thing? Look, uh, we're pretty open to the voting law uh, reforms, to tell you the truth, Neil. We think there should have been more consultation. It should have been done better. It should have involved much more community debate. But what it will mean is that if you're a serious minor party, we don't believe you'll be disadvantaged. It's not too dissimilar to what happens in New South Wales at the moment. If you are a micro party, you know, much smaller and only getting, you know, 1% or 2% or less than that of the vote, then you probably will be wiped out. And uh, they're the parties that have got into Canberra with very little vote, perhaps less than 1%. And they've got through the back door by all these preference deals all over the place. Well, that probably will not happen. But a good minor party, a strong minor party across the nation under this legislation will probably not be disadvantaged. It might actually be in a place of advantage, particularly in a double dissolution. I mean, Neil, you just think about this. In Tasmania, in a double dissolution, there's 12 senators going up. Lyle's probably got a better idea, but my sense of that is you'd only need about 25,000 votes to actually get a full quota to go into the Senate. I mean, because there's 12 senators in Tasmania. Now, if you've got good connections and you're a strong minor party, I mean, you're, you're looking pretty flash. Well, uh, Lyle Shelton, uh, comment on what Ross is saying. Yeah, no, Ross is absolutely right. It's a small population in Tasmania and uh, in a double disillusion election, the, the, the quota required to be elected is, uh, is, is effectively halved. So um, I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, I, Ross is dead right. Um, you, you won't need a lot of votes uh, to fall over the line now. The challenge is if people can harvest, it'll be very much fractured because there'll be uh, probably um, dozens and dozens of Senate candidates uh, running in Tasmania. But um, but his analysis is right. Um, you've certainly got some very strong, you know, conservative people running in the likes of um, Erica Betts at the top of the uh, Liberal Party ticket uh, and others there. So th- there will be a lot of competition for um, for the Christian vote uh, in in Tasmania. Also, I should say there's some some good Labor people who. Uh, of good uh, Christian values as well, like uh, Senator Helen Polly. So um, uh, it'll be hotly contested down there. And, and with the CDP running, I'm not sure what Family First are doing there, but uh, but uh, there'll be plenty of competition for a, a Christian or values vote. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson. A biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. What are the biggest issues for you with the upcoming potential double dissolution election? Uh, you can call us our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Two very special guests this hour talking about the way forward. In other words, election strategies and election issues from a biblical Christian perspective. Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby is with us. Also the Reverend Dr Ross Clifford, the New South Wales State President for the Christian Democratic Party. I guess the big moral issue that is looming uh, both uh, uh, to you, Ross, and to Lyle is this issue of marriage and the idea of a plebiscite, uh, which uh, I guess many people think is very clever to say, let's separate that from a federal election so that you can talk about the economic issues uh, in a federal election. Uh, But there is some suggestion that maybe the plebiscite might not even happen 
if a new government thinks it has a new mandate. If I ask you first, Lyle Shelton, about the uh, upcoming election and the, the necessity for keeping the pressure on when it comes to this issue of marriage. Mm. Yeah, Neil, it's, it's absolutely crucial that uh, we are able to have the plebiscite and that people are able to have their say on this issue. The parliament has uh, failed 17 times to pass uh, same-sex marriage laws and, and numerous times around the state. Uh, it's relentlessly pushed through the parliament. Um, the Abbott slash Turnbull government has said it's going to the people, and I think that's the right thing. But if Labor is elected at this election, uh, Bill Shorten and his party have said they will legislate to change the definition of marriage within 100 days. They are absolutely committed to this. It's an article of faith, and uh, that then takes away the opportunity for the Australian people to have a say. Um, I hate to say this, you know, as Ross knows, um, ACL has always been and remains non-party partisan, but we always tell people what the issues are and where the parties stand on issues. And at this election, very, very sadly, the Labor Party is now completely captured by rainbow politics. Uh, Their uh, national platform, as amended last August at their conference in Melbourne, is laced through with uh, LGBTI policy initiatives, including public funding for sex change operations, uh, and a whole range of things, including um, including ensuring there is no freedom of religion or conscience for people uh, in business, uh, wedding business, etc., who who uh, don't wish to participate in same-sex marriages. Uh, they will be forced to under a Labor government. So the stakes are incredibly high at this election, and our vote matters incredibly. Ross Clifford, on the issue of marriage, on the plebiscite, uh, double dissolution election, uh, how important is it to keep the pressure on with this issue of marriage? Oh, absolutely, Neil. Totally agree with Lyle. And the way to keep it on, and I'm going to sound a bit, you know, party parochial here, is to vote for people like the Christian Democratic Party across the country. Because you think about it, if Labor win, as Lyle has said, they're saying they're going to bring in the bill for same-sex marriage and not going to exempt Christian businesses from having to, you know, uh, partake or, you know, offer their services for weddings and the like. They're not going to exempt uh, people who uh, might be wedding celebrants. And so, you know, you've got to stop it in the Senate. You've got to make sure they don't have the numbers in the Senate to get it through, voting with Liberals and perhaps others. So that's one option. And if it's a plebiscite, Neil, if the Liberals win and it's a plebiscite, who's going to guarantee the terms of that plebiscite? Who's going to guarantee it's compulsory? Because you think about it. In Ireland, it wasn't compulsory. Only about 30% of the people voted and it got through. But you imagine if it happens in Australia and it is compulsory and the same amount of money has to be spent for the yes and no vote, Independent lawyers have to frame the question, so it's a fair question, and the ramifications of the uh, proposed uh, plebiscite have to be set out in the literature. If it's compulsory and people understand the implication of it, you imagine what happens. 95% of people go into the booths to vote, Neil, and the chances are they will say no. But if it's only voluntary, then you can imagine the only people are going to turn up and, and take an interest are those who've got a really big beef to get this through. And then it will pass. So we've got to have people in Canberra. We've got to have people in the Senate. We've got to have people that Malcolm Turnbull and the Liberal Party have to listen to to say, this plebiscite, if you want our support in this parliament, this plebiscite has to be fair, has to be compulsory, uh, has to have the equal money uh, spent on it, has to clearly have a question that gives people the right understanding of what's going on here. Uh, Neil, and if that happens, I reckon the plebiscite will be lost. And if it's lost... Our experience is Australians don't go back 
to vote on something they've already decided. And this will disappear for 15 to 20 years off the Australian agenda. Well, one of the concerns, of course, and whether it's fear-mongering, and I'll get your impression on this, but earlier in the week, Family First Senator Bob Day was on this program and uh, he was expressing what he had been hearing around the corridors of the parliament, uh, thinking that the integrity of the Prime Minister, Malcolm Turnbull, may not be so good uh, when he has his own mandate and with the idea uh, that somehow or other after an election everything seems to change, it's very costly and he thinks that if uh, Malcolm Turnbull is re-elected and has his own mandate that he may well cancel the plebiscite and simply legislate same-sex marriage. Lyle Shelton, your thoughts on that possibility? Is that just fear-mongering? Uh, well, I have a lot of respect for Bob Day, and if he's saying those things publicly, I'd be very concerned. Uh, we've been involved in negotiations directly with the government on the plebiscite, trying to secure the sort of things that uh, uh, Ross is talking about. Um, it would be an enormous breach of faith and trust uh, if uh, the, a re-elected Turnbull government was to renege on the, on the plebiscite. Now, uh, politicians can do anything, but I would be very surprised if they would go back on, on their word. This is a promise. Uh, it's very clear. Uh, I expect that this promise will be uh, reaffirmed during the election campaign. It would be very hard for them to walk away from it. But as I say, I have a lot of respect for Bob and I'd be very interested to know, you know where he's getting that information. Have you heard anything, uh, Ross Clifford? Is there uh, the rumour or is there some substance to the idea that uh, potentially uh, the Prime Minister could renege on that promise to go ahead with the plebiscite? Neil, I think more likely what is going to happen is it's going to be a plebiscite that is just, you know, put at the bottom of the uh, the pile. And so, therefore, it's almost like, a, you know, if you're around on this Saturday afternoon, why don't you pop in at your local electorate uh, polling booth and, and have a vote? And the question could be so framed <laughs> that everyone's going to vote yes. That's what I think is more likely to happen, and that's the rumours that we're hearing that if the Liberals are returned in that context and Malcolm Turnbull is in a position of power, there will still be a plebiscite, but it will be so dumbed down, it's most likely to get up and it will be so voluntary, hardly anyone will vote for it. So, Neil, we need people in Canberra to say this plebiscite, if the Liberals are returned, has to be fair dinkum, has to be compulsory, has to have the right question, has to be a question that really gives people the right to make a choice. And working with people like Lyle and ACL, you can guarantee that, mate, but if we're out of the game, if we're out of the play, then you'll get the plebiscite I've just described. That's what Malcolm Turnbull will deliver. Well, you know, I, I think the, yep. the real fear, if I could just jump in, is that um, if uh, the, the government doesn't have control of the Senate, as Ross and I were, were ch chatting with you about earlier, uh, a, a hostile Senate may well block a plebiscite-enabling bill. And uh, that would then mean that um, the plebiscite couldn't go ahead. And that, that might perhaps provide a trigger for the government to renege on their promise. That could be what yeah. uh, Bob Day is suggesting. And, and it does uh, make it all the more important, as Ross has been saying, that good people are elected to the Senate to ensure that uh, a plebiscite enabling bill can occur and that it can be fair. There is a risk. one eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. not long out from news, but we've got time to take a call from Mary in Bathurst in New South Wales. Hello, Mary. Welcome along. Hi, how are you? Look, I've been listening to um, previous uh, talkbacks and, you know, like one person was saying that we should vote the Liberals in because we've got a better chance of getting it. Now, if they go with this double disillusion, right, 
I don't want the Liberals or the Labour in. I want somebody like a Christian party to get in, and I want as many of them to get in. Because that way, I know that they can block anything that's not Christian, you know, anything that's not. And they can actually force the government to do the right thing, make it compulsory, make it um, this plebiscite, make it worded properly and everything else. So my question is, if they call a double disillusion, instead of voting for a major party, should we vote for a minor party? Ross Clifford, your thoughts on what Mary's sharing? Oh, Mary, I love you. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a romance happening here. <laughs> in the lower house, we'll have, mem- we'll have people standing in every electorate in the lower house in New South Wales and make a statement. I mean, the Liberal Party, Neil, has moved to the moderates. It's moved away from the conservatives. And so in your, if, even if you don't get your local member elected, though you might get someone in the Senate, by making a statement voting for a Christian party like the Christian Democratic Party, you're making a statement to the Liberal Party. We do not like the direction you are heading, and the Liberal and National, we do not like you moving away from these conservative moral values. And, and be warned, we are voting accordingly. Mary from Bathurst in New South Wales, thank you so much for your comment. Uh, our talkback lines remain open on 1-800-316-316. Uh, we're coming up to news and we'll take more calls. We'll have these two gentlemen, Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby and the Reverend Dr Ross Clifford, the New South Wales State President for the Christian Democratic Party, uh, with us for that half hour beyond the news. We'll be taking calls and your opportunity to help direct our conversation. We're talking about the way forward in the lead-up to an election. Let's take a call from Ruth in Geelong in Victoria. Hello, Ruth. Welcome along to 2020. Ruth, are you with us? Thank you. Uh, Ruth, uh, not hearing you very clearly. What are, you th- what are your thoughts? Okay. Um, well, you, 2020 is from a biblical perspective, so I would like to talk about the biblical perspective that if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. And also the fact that righteousness exalts a nation, but sin's a disgrace to any people, and that a man of integrity walks securely, but he who takes crooked paths will be found out. And so I would just like to really encourage people, um, for Lyle Shelton appearing on Q&A on Monday night, that one person can really make a difference. I would suggest that God's people fast and pray on Monday, which is a significant day, Anzac Day, that we go without breakfast and lunch and that we're really in prayer for Lyle Shelton as he appears on Q&A and that that one Ruth, person... just tremendous yeah. thoughts in there. Let mm. me just get some thoughts, first of all, from Ross Clifford on what Ruth sure. is sharing because uh, when we talk about righteousness exalting a nation, the place of prayer from Second Chronicles, uh, your thoughts, Ross Clifford? Oh, look, spot on with Ruth and I uh, totally agree. And uh, the support that uh, she's indicating for Lyle, I think, is absolutely essential. We can't do this in our own strength. And, uh, Neil, can I just take it a little bit broader? I don't think the same-sex marriage issue is really about the marrying of homosexual couples. I mean, that's at the surface. I really think it's a push to change the shape of this country and move it away from its uh, Judeo-Christian value base. 
And I think this is what they've seen is the wedge to be able to achieve that end. And I think we really need to be aware of that. We really need to pray because Mm. if this happens and this election goes as it's been anticipated, we're going to lose that foundation in many, many ways. Uh, And so I just think it's absolutely essential. Christians take this seriously. They do pray. They pray for this election. They pray for Lyle. And in some sense, Neil, the scriptures say we almost get the government we deserve according to our prayers, to tell you the truth. That's right. And if I was just reflecting on some background there, and I'm not sure whether either of you gentlemen heard the conversation before we began our conversation today about the way forward, but uh, we were reflecting on some issues with Bill Muhlenberg from Culture Watch, who was suggesting uh, that Monday night, uh, when Lyle Shelton, not Lyle, when you'll be appearing on Q&A, and it's a panel that's made up of uh, all Christians, uh, and uh, there is some suggestion that's coming that uh, not all of those who are on the panel will be in the way we talk about biblical Christians, and it may actually be uh, an ambush in the sense of driving a wedge between the Christian community, looking like the Christian community is divided. Uh, your thoughts on that, Lyle Shelton, and, and Ruth is still on the line, and the idea of praying for you. I know a lot of Christian believers are going to stay up late on Monday. They're going to watch that Q&A program. They're going to be praying for you as you are bringing a biblical foundation presentation. Uh, but Lyle Shelton, your thoughts on, on the possibilities of of there being a a wedge driven on Monday night. Yeah, uh, absolutely, uh, Neil. And and, uh, can I just really thank Ruth for uh, her wonderful support and uh, injunction to prayer. I I really appreciate that. And and of course, uh, Ross's support as well. Um, This is a deeply spiritual thing. And um, uh, you're exactly right in your analysis there. Uh, I mean, I don't like to judge other people's uh, Christianity or where they might be with Jesus. But uh, there's certainly people on that panel uh, who who wouldn't agree with uh, biblical definitions of marriage, for instance. Uh, I believe one of them is a lesbian. Uh, So this is designed to create confusion amongst the Australian population about who are Christians in Australia and what they stand for. And uh, that that could even be a deceptive thing for for many people. So I would really value prayer um, and uh, would be be very humbled if, if people were able to do that. Um, I wouldn't want to mandate that anyone misses their breakfast or fast, but uh, I'd certainly appreciate all the prayers we could get. And uh, um, it, it's it's not easy in these situations, as I know uh, Fred Nile from the CDP. He's uh, been on Q and A a number of times, and um, we probably haven't done a great job as the Christian community in supporting uh, Christians who have uh, had opportunities to be uh, in these uh, media platforms and. Um, Uh, You know, I'd certainly value any prayers that people might be able to offer that night. Fabulous suggestion to pray on Monday. Ruth from Geelong in Victoria, thank you so much for your uh, question, for your comment, your your attention to prayer, your attention to a nation that needs to pursue righteousness and reflecting also on that call to prayer and and the scripture there in Second Chronicles. Uh, let's move on. The talkback line open on 1-800-316-316 if you'd like to contribute to our conversation. If we talk about, Ross Clifford, the moving away from these Judeo-Christian roots that we have as a nation. It's not just marriage. There are a whole lot of issues. Another one of those big issues and uh, ones that uh, are often quite controversial, the issue of gambling. What are your thoughts on uh, one law for all when it comes to gambling? Uh, Well, with respect to gambling, Neil, let me say I think we've got a real opportunity uh, after this election to get some serious gambling reform done. It hasn't been able to be done federally. 
And we've got to get together. We've got to get people elected into that Senate and into our Parliament who are committed with respect to poker machines in particular, Neil, to get maximum bets across the states of $1 and to make sure that the jackpots are reduced to take uh, ATMs out of uh, clubs. Mate, w- w- you know, across New South Wales and in other states, we are just, you know, we, we, just, we just exploded with uh, poker machines. Many of them are in the poor social and eco- economic areas. It's an absolute disgrace the extent that poker machines and gambling are used in this country to support government and government support of them. And that's one thing I would agree with Nick Zinnabon in. He's going to come back into Canberra. If he can come back with some good Christian senators who have the balance of power in that upper house, we might get serious gambling reform across this country. We're not about prohibition, but poker machine gambling form is an absolute must. Mate, it's costing this nation billions. Uh, 180,000 to 300 people to 300,000 people suffer as a result of gambling addiction in this country. You know, it's just a blight on Australia's morality. It's time to do something seriously, and let's hope that this election brings that to the fore. Lyle Shelton, gambling as a revenue raiser versus the welfare of the family. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with everything Ross has said. Uh, we've got to get our state governments weaned off. Uh, gambling taxes, uh, poker machine taxes, uh, contribute uh, an enormous amount of money to government revenue, particularly in New South Wales and Victoria, uh, and increasingly so in Queensland, where the government there has uh, licensed uh, several new casinos. Uh, that was a Conservative government that did that. I think the other issue with gambling is is uh, the uh, continuing encroachment of sports betting, live mm. sports betting mm. during our, mm. our footy. Um, now I, mm. I take great exception exception to watching the footy show with my boys on a, on a Wednesday night and uh, everything's sponsored by Sportsbet. You watch a game on the weekend and uh, you've got uh, the commentators throwing to these uh, Sportsbet people who they sort of legitimise as, as quasi-commentators who are giving the odds on the game. Now, this is just socialising children into, into a gambling culture, which is not healthy. And uh, I think uh, uh, this is something the government's got to look at and um, hopefully something that can be... Uh, can, can be worked on after the election if we've got the right people in the Senate, as Ross has said. Ross Clifford, when we think of gambling, uh, the sort of marketing that we see, it's just a, a harmless way of having a flutter on the weekend. Uh, but, of course, it snowballs out of control in so many lives. Uh, taking this issue seriously is something that somehow or other, if you're just going to be led by the marketing you'll see on the television, uh, you're actually being misled. Is that the case? Oh, you are being misled, uh, Neil, and the social disruption that this is bringing is absolutely extraordinary. And the impact it has on families across the states that are addicted to poker machines is is just something we need to address. We've been addressing it in New South Wales. We've got some changes in the law, but not enough. It needs a federal push. It needs us all to take a stand. And so... Neil, I, I think it's a sleeper. I think it's, uh, I think it's an issue out there that many people of goodwill, not just Christians, many people are part of clubs, are just concerned. I was at a function last night uh, talking with a bunch of people who are not churchgoers, and gambling was the major discussion of debate when we got to moral issues. I mean, they say themselves that, that you know, they just are sick when they go into a club and see these people, you know, pulling machines, pulling machines, pulling machines. They're saying, what are we doing in our community? So. I just think it's, it's, it's time, and I think Australians believe it is time to take this issue on. Well, there are more issues than we can comfortably talk about in this hour-long segment. Uh, let me ask you, uh, Ross Clifford, about a, a CDP commissioning of a McCrindle report on the issues 
that Christians are concerned about? Uh, I mean, sometimes uh, we talk about uh, these sorts of issues and uh, we take talkback calls about issues on all sorts of different topics. But uh, but what value will be there uh, in doing that research, in having a report that actually officially reports on, on what Christians are actually concerned about the lead up to the election? Yeah, it was interesting, Neil. Uh, most people would, would know McCrindle and Associates. Uh, Mark McCrindle and his team are the leading social researchers in Australia today. You see them on Sunrise, Channel 7 News, all over the place. And we commissioned them to do some uh, research on what uh, Australian Christians and conservative people with conservative morality are saying. The interesting thing is that New South Wales Christians, and I think this would go across the board, the number one issue for New South Wales Christians, no matter who they were, whatever denomination they were part of, 57% said the number one issue, Neil, is one law for all, which I find really interesting. In a positive way, we want to be a society that says there's one law for all Australians. And this was Christians across the board, not just you know Protestants and conservative Christians. Christians across the board, 57% said one law for all. That was the major issue, Neil, which is really interesting. Other issues that were very big is hospitals, uh, education, safety and security. Uh, but, uh, you, know, uh, you know, we've got to keep it simple. I think one law for all, you know, say no to same-sex marriage, keep traditional marriage there in a positive sense, support, you know, the increase of funding for hospitals and our infrastructure like education. They're the basic issues, as I see it, going into this election. Lyle Shelton, the Australian Christian Lobby, and while a lot of your time and effort is taken up with the marriage debate, there are all sorts of issues that Christians are concerned about, and people often question you as to whether you are representative of the wider Christian community when you're making statements. Uh, When you discuss these sorts of things and who has authority to talk about them, uh, how do you answer those who say, well, I wonder whether, Lyle Shelton, you're actually representing all Christians? Yeah, you know, and that's a that's a fair question, and I'm sure that'll be one we'll be asked on, on Q and A on Monday night again. Um, we don't claim to be a peak body for the church. Uh, we're very clear about that. Yes, we have Christian and, and lobby in our name. Uh, that's because we we uh, aspire to represent a Christian point of view, to bring a Christian point of view into uh, politics. And uh, unlike Ross, we don't uh, have people running for parliament. Uh, we're, we're not like a political. We're not a political party at all. We we seek to influence and to lobby. Uh, right across the political spectrum. Um, but we have good relationships with uh, denominational leaders uh, from uh, Coptics right through to Catholics and Pentecostals and Baptists and, Pre- and Seventh-day Adventists, uh, the whole gamut, Presbyterians. Um, and uh, so we work uh, relationally with uh, leaders in those denominations. We have a grassroots supporter base, which uh, supports our campaigns and uh, is generous in, uh, in helping uh, fund our work and, and supplying the resources we need to do the job. Uh, so I guess um, when we say we, we speak for anyone, I guess we're, we're speaking on behalf of our, our supporter base, uh, but we're careful to do that in consultation with our senior Christian leaders that we speak for. A big part of the controversy around us is this same-sex marriage issue, and of course it's not the only issue we're involved in, far from it. Uh, but uh, I think what people should realise, and particularly those who are criticising us, is that every denomination in Australia, including the Uniting Church, uh, support marriage between a man and a woman and teach that as their doctrine. So when people try and say we're not representative, particularly on this big uh, cultural fault line issue, <laughs> we actually are, because that's the teaching of the entire Christian church uh, in this nation. 
Let me ask you about what Ross was talking about, the one law for all, and I imagine that's in response to uh, issues of immigration, uh, issues of refugees, uh, issues of the rise of Islam. Is there? Uh, do you think that's going to figure heavily in the debate, in the political debate in the lead-up to the election? Look, that, that's a new concept for me. I, I'd be interested to hear Ross unpack that a little bit more. I wasn't uh, totally following what he was saying. Um, so I'd love to hear a bit more explanation from Ross, if that's OK. Well, yeah. I'm assuming, Ross, that's what you're talking about. The idea of uh, we have one law. Uh, we don't want other law systems encroaching on this fact that we have a workable legal system. Is that what you were saying? This is yeah. Sharia law and the like, is it, Ross? Yeah, absolutely, but yeah. it's broader. It's just simply, yeah, no to Sharia law, but it's broader. It's, it's in a positive, uh, Neil and Lyle. It's saying, you know, mm. you know, one law for all in a positive context. That's what we're about. We're not trying to isolate any other particular group, but we're saying one law for all. The ramifications of that would be that there could be no uh, Sharia law operating in this country, for example, but that could apply to, uh, you know, other religious uh, kind of... Uh, spins on the law so one law for all australians and i think that's consistent with uh, our heritage uh, where we wanted to go as a community that's what attracts people to this country they they know our common law heritage they know how we operate as a country and as a state uh, in our states and this is getting massive response and if i can say neil uh, and lyle there are groups running at this election liberty alliance etc that will put this in a much more negative tone when you vote for someone like christian democratic party we're trying to do this positively and hopefully uh we're not trying to target anybody but we are saying in our country we need to stand on one law one legal system one code for all australians own it hold it don't move from it the Reverend Dr. Ross Clifford, the New South Wales State President for the Christian Democratic Party, and also Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby, our guests. We are talking about the way forward in the lead-up to a potential double dissolution election in early July. We're back to tie some loose ends together and summarise what we're talking about in just a few moments. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Two guests with us, Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby and the Reverend Dr Ross Clifford, the New South Wales State President for the Christian Democratic Party. Uh, Time for one call. Let's hear from Jen in North Queensland. Hi, Jen. Welcome along to 2020. Good afternoon. How are you? Very well, Jen. What are your thoughts? I just want to make a point to the gentleman who said... I just sort of came in on the end of what he said, so I apologise if I'm out of line... But um, the, the one rule for all, one legislation for all, uh, is just a bit, bit of a worry there because I guess the heterosexual community can marry, uh, the homosexual community can't marry. So in that respect, one rule for all doesn't really apply, does it? Okay, let's get some thoughts. Uh, you first, uh, Ross Clifford, uh, thoughts on what Jen is sharing. Well, thanks, Jen. It's a good question. Yeah, one law for all, I think, does apply because it is saying yes to traditional understanding of marriage. And we need to remember that, as Patrick Parkinson from University of Sydney has pointed out, uh, homosexual couples have basically got every human right in Australian law that's available to them in inheritance and superannuation, etc. And marriage has always been between a male and a female universally throughout time. So, 
we're not denying them marriage. Marriage is by definition simply between a male and a female. So there's still one law for all. They still benefit in every other way that's possible under the law. But marriage, which has always been between a male and a female, as you said, you can't make a rose a carnation. And that's what we're trying to do by changing the marriage law, by making it open to uh, people other than a male and a female. Jen from North Queensland, thanks so much for your question today on 2020. And we're running short of time. Let me ask you two gentlemen, as we just sum things up here, there is a almost a spin about how Christians are portrayed uh, as what they stand for. And oftentimes it's seen in a negative light. If I was asking you, Lyle Shelton, uh, how do you think uh, that Christians ought to approach these issues uh, with any new enthusiasm in the lead-up to a double dissolution election? I think it's really important, Neil, that we don't um, uh, become despairing about the caricature and the characterization of us as Christians in the public square. And what I mean by that is, uh, we're routinely called haters and bigots, and all of this negative language is cast at us. And I know Reverend Fred Nile and Ross have, have suffered this for, for decades. Um, but uh, since when did the people of love uh, become haters? How, how on earth did that uh, uh, become part of the, the narrative in Australia? And uh, it's certainly not because we are haters or bigots or anything like that. It's because uh, people have tried to, to turn that around. And I think uh, we just need to continue to be persistent, as people of faith, to show our love and our reasonableness uh, in the public square and, uh, and certainly to challenge those who try and caric- characterise us as that. Um, we are for things. Uh, the reason we take a stand against things is because we're for things which uh, are for the common good, like marriage and family. And they're tremendously positive things that all Australians want to see flourish and prosper. And if we can communicate that to our fellow citizens, I, th- I think uh, we will be on a winner. Ross Clifford, uh, your thoughts on how we actually present ourselves in the lead-up to an election? I agree with Lyle. You know, we have to be prophetic and we have to point out, you know, where our concerns are and what's happening in our society. But at the same time, we need to stress the positives. We are for traditional marriage. We are for families. We are for creating good societies. We are for ensuring good health. We are ensuring that there are good laws and a standard law and a stable law that guarantees human rights and human dignity for all people, including women and children. So, I agree with Lyle. It's a very positive thing. And, mate, we shouldn't be ashamed of our heritage. I mean, it's a positive heritage in this country. And and we need to be constantly saying we're simply trying to keep, in many ways, a Judeo-Christian positive heritage, not imposing on everybody, but making sure that the root and tradition of our systems are not lost. And this election is a real key time to do that. Well, it's certainly been a pleasure getting the thoughts uh, from both of you gentlemen. Lyle Shelton from the Australian Christian Lobby and also the Reverend Dr Ross Clifford, the New South Wales State President for the Christian Democratic Party. Uh, to both of you, thanks so much for taking time to talk to us today and I hope this is not the uh, the last time. I suspect there'll be some more times in the lead-up to the election. Uh, we'll have you gentlemen involved in conversations a little like this. Lyle and Ross, thanks for being with us on 2020. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.